0: More Syracuse content for you. I'm Matt Bonaparte. Owen Valentine's first day on the job as a full-time host uh, or co-host of Locked On Syracuse. Owen, so glad to have you aboard. Uh, First show starts right now.
1: Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you here on Lockdown Syracuse. Thank you for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Brad Klein out, Owen Valentine in. This is the fourth iteration of the podcast. Now, you have the Tim and Tyler era. You can argue you even had the solo Tim era right there at the end of that. Uh, then you had the solo Klein era. Then you had the Bones and Brad era. Now you've got the Bones and Owen era. This is getting a little complex for my taste, but Owen, I'm so glad to have you, buddy.
1: Excited to be here, ready to roll. Uh, let's let's get going. A lot of tough to talk about today, or you know, a lot of tough or a lot of stuff to get after in a, a new segment yeah. that we're going to roll with today.
0: We do have a new segment which uh, comes from the the brain of Owen, which I'm very happy about. Uh, we're going to do a Tuesday, a, a weekly Tuesday show where we call it this, that and the other thing, where we kind of get all the stories of the week that maybe fell by the wayside, slipped through the cracks. We wrangle them up and we just kind of hit them all Um, because you can talk about the big stuff all week long. And I think those are important. That's your Monday. Those are your Thursdays. Those are your Fridays. Uh, But it's important to talk about the stories that maybe don't hit the, the front page, too. So that's exactly what we're going to do every Tuesday, starting today. Obviously, during the season, during football season and uh, basketball season and even lacrosse season, that gets a little bit more exciting. But I still think there's plenty to talk about here during the offseason as we ramp up towards football season, which I'm getting pretty excited about, whether that uh, is smart of me or not. Uh, All right, so let's get it started. First thing on the docket, Benny Williams playing basketball. Uh, very exciting he's playing over in Spain right now Um, he's playing pretty well the last stat line I saw a box score was five points 11 rebounds in 18 minutes that's what I like to see from Benny
1: yeah it seems like a bit of a similar role than what we might have saw him in this year getting like 15 minutes a game so far so in those three games 6.7 rebounds on average from what I've heard I think Mike McAllister said earlier today it's like a step below maybe ACC basketball so it's not like This is a relevant competition. It's not like they're playing nobodies. I'm going to go out and say it's maybe like a non-conference game outside the ACC where you're playing an early season game, Uh, just getting the ball rolling, things like that. But it's good to see him come out and compete. And he's averaging six and seven after putting up just two and two in the first game of this little tournament. So to see him sort of bring those numbers up, I think he had 11 points and and eight rebounds in that second game. So came off the bench uh, and and really showed his stuff and showed that he can get to the rim, get... uh, chase the ball off, maybe, uh, you know, grab a couple of rebounds. I like this progression. I like seeing that Benny's doing this, even if it takes him away from the team for a little bit, because I think he's definitely going to be able to grow from it.
0: Also interesting about it is that on the team is fellow ACC member, the center for Pitt basketball, John Hughley, uh, who, as we all know, beat Syracuse last year in a pretty tough loss at Pitt, who are just a horrid team. Um, is pretty darn good. Uh, and it's interesting. I, I'm curious to see maybe they gelled. Maybe Benny sees uh, the secrets of Hughley, kind of like uh, when Kobe told those stories of uh, playing like one-on-one with Reggie Miller, like they were playing, but really he was finding his weaknesses. I like to think that Benny was doing that. Um, so kind of cool. Uh, I'm excited about that. I hope Benny... I'm glad Benny is getting some some game in where he gets to touch the ball a lot, because I think for a guy like him who has so much raw potential that we see every now and again. I think it's really, really important that he gets the ball in his hands, and that's not always going to happen when you're playing for Syracuse if you're not playing very well. Jim Beheim doesn't really care who says you're good, who says how much potential you have. If you don't put the ball in the basket and play your role, you're not going to play. So I hope Benny can come in this year and just be a firecracker. We don't really need him to be a world beater. But it would be nice if he showed up and he was something.
1: No, I I definitely like this forum, especially, you know, I'll, I'll go through my personal context right now. I'm going, you know, working to become a teacher. And one of the big things as you work to become a teacher is student teaching as the benefit is you're going to be able to learn by seeing other people do what's going on. And maybe you bounce to two different locations. You work in one school and then you work with someone else at another school. I think this is almost similar to that for Benny. You get a brand new coaching staff, some new teammates to work with, and you're just going to be able to pull little things from all these new individuals that you're working with. Maybe he doesn't bring every single piece of information back into, you know, the program here at Syracuse, but I'm sure there's things that he can bring in to help elevate his game and help elevate the rest of the team as well, which is kind of what you you hope for out of a situation like this from Benny.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, all right, next on the docket is that J.P. Estrella has set a commitment date. Uh, that is September 2nd. Uh, we talked to J.P. yesterday on the pod. It was Brad and I, um, and the kid's great. Uh, A big-time friend of the pod. We love him. Even if he doesn't end up going to Syracuse, uh, we really hope he has a great career, and I hope him all the best because he really is a totally nice kid. I couldn't say enough good things about the guy. Uh, September 2nd, we'll find out if he is coming to the Hill. And from the conversation that Brad and I had, I mean, every time I talk to him, it makes me feel a little bit like he's coming to Syracuse more and more. Maybe it's just because I really want him to. Um, But, you know, I mean, I assume... He wasn't sugarcoating it when he told us that it was a really, really good trip to SU. He meshed with the guys really well. He can see himself playing with the team. He's impressed by the team. Um, I think he wants to come to Syracuse, but obviously I'm not him. And this is a decision that he's going to have to make. But it's basically Tennessee, Iowa, and Syracuse in the mix. Those three teams alongside Marquette were the only ones he took official visits to. Um, I thought it was kind of funny that he put like all those different teams graphics on the uh, the, the post that he made. But really, it's like it's a three team decision here. Um, what were your uh, reactions? How do you feel about this?
1: Yeah, I was I listened in today to uh, to get the gist of it. I just love to see, you know, someone just so excited about the weekend that they just had here. Uh, You know, people like to bash Syracuse at times, uh, the city as a whole, but it was fun to see, you know, someone come in who's not, you know, a frequent visitor of Syracuse come in and, you know, go here, go there, play a little bit of golf, uh, hang out with the team, go to Bayheim's house and have a really, really positive experience in Syracuse because I think sometimes the, you know, the area as a whole can get a bad rep. So to hear him sort of talk about this weekend and how much fun he had and the experience as a whole was really, you know, heartwarming to me, I guess I'll say. Uh, but overall i think there was a ton of you know big takeaways to take from that and then you know he follows up today with an announcement date so he really is starting to finalize that plan i think he said you know he's going to go back up to maine and then play in a tournament and then he'll really start having those deep conversations and making those decisions and i think that timeline that he laid out with september 2nd fits right along with the timeline that he was saying right there so Maybe, you know, Locked on Syracuse sparked the uh, its decision time conversation over in the Estrella household.
0: I will say, we we did that interview, and then today I saw that he announced it. I was like, hey, I'm just saying, maybe we sparked some convo there. Um, Could be true. Syracuse was his first offer, which I think still means something. Um, Okay, let's take a quick ad break, and let me talk to you about LinkedIn, man. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. I forgot to put this on. Bang. Um, Sorry about that. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find and find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know every single week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown college. That's linkedin.com slash lockdown college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All righty. Way back and we back. Uh, Still going on here. This, that, and the other thing Tuesdays, baby. Uh, Next up on the docket, Nikhil, I hope I'm saying that right, Bertrand commits to Texas A&M. This is a guy, an offensive lineman that Syracuse was in on, surprisingly. I mean, this kid's 6'7", 310 pounds, a three-star, albeit, but the names of schools on this list that were in on this kid is pretty crazy. I mean, this guy has an offer from Penn State, Pitt, Washington, Georgia, Coastal Carolina, uh Kentucky, Auburn, Texas A&M, Colorado. Uh but I will say he goes to Texas A&M, but one of the only schools or one of the many schools he didn't take a visit from, the only schools he did take a visit from officially uh were Kentucky, Auburn and Syracuse in that order. So Kind of surprising to see Syracuse on this list, but at the same time, they got him up for a visit.
1: I I think that's a win. You know, I, I don't want to spin this too positive because it always stinks to miss out on a recruit, especially a guy, you know, when you see the names that are also looking after him, it seems like that could be the spark of, you know, he's a couple of years out, so maybe grabs a fourth star. It's kind of where... You see guys that get the interest from really good schools, and maybe these, you know, recruiting sites take a deeper look into how many stars they actually deserve or should get. This is a guy that I think is a very, very high quality three star. Uh, and when you look at that list and to see Syracuse in a conversation, right? They make a top five with A and M, Auburn, Kentucky, and Colorado. I believe was the fourth uh, outside of Syracuse. It's a good push, uh, and to see him take a visit here, maybe it was the local aspect of you know being a Philly kid. Uh, You're going to go to Syracuse, so I guess it's, you know, we'll extend local to Philadelphia for, you know, relative locality, given the, you know, Northeastern football situation. Uh, It it stinks, but it's also, you know, the reality of recruiting right now. Unfortunately, I think Syracuse only has one uh, OT commit for that class, so it wouldn't have stunk, you know, to get the second name on there and a a good name, and I think he would have been The top of this recruiting class for Syracuse or top two for this recruiting class for Syracuse. But, you know, sometimes you lose out on these guys. You just got to keep going, keep putting scholarship offers out there looking for the guys. And you can't let this completely defeat you. Right. Your Syracuse University, the current state of the program, is by no means incredible. You're going to miss out on recruits you're going to win via volume and spending good quality time in that volume on uh, a lot of big names and some names that you're going to have to bring in. So yes, you miss out here, uh, but it's a process. It's ever fluid uh, and you just got to go after the next name.
0: And Jaden Bass being that offensive tackle uh, that you were referring to is the only other guy that Syracuse has on the offensive line coming in for the class of 2023. And by that time, when the class of 2023 comes in you're going to have – it's a little bit like this season kind of marks almost a changing of the guard in terms of the offensive line because you're going to have to get some production out of guys you definitely haven't before. Bleich is going to be there. Bergeron and Veterella will be there. But maybe you see a little bit more of Josh Iloa this year and other – some of those – Enrique Cruz maybe shows up, those other names that you didn't get to see last year. So uh, we'll see. But um, – Next year's class is definitely going to contribute to that, so we'll see what Syracuse ends up doing. Um, honestly, when I asked Dino about his recruiting style and that he recruits pretty much only three stars, I, I basically was asking, I gave him an out almost, asking about only offering three stars, and and I was like, so what do you say to people who say you can't get four stars, and you, but you only really offer three stars and you turn them into good players? And I honestly assumed that he was going to say, you know, we go after guys who we see a lot of talent in regardless of their stars or something like that. But, no, he said, just because we don't get them doesn't mean we don't offer them. It's hard to make them say yes. I was <laughs> <It's> like, know." <laughs> <Dino. laughs> but
1: uh, yeah. uh, I don't I think also he's feel wrong. Like there's almost a curse with Syracuse. You see, you know, in the last couple of years, there's four-star guys that commit, and then, you know, three weeks later, they're a three-star. Uh, Syracuse yeah, has a bit exactly. of, uh, you know, the rap where I just said, You know, maybe when you uh, look at Nikhil Betrand or Bertrand and you see what he just did, then maybe you become a four star because of the offers out on the table. But Syracuse has counterproductively taken stars away from guys in the past. Unfortunately, Uh, it just happens. Uh, They're going to roll through it. Uh, You're going to have to get the next guy. And that's just how this product works. and That's how it works when you're, uh, you know, bringing in as many people every year as you have to do to maintain a football team. So it'll work. Bounce back. Get the next guy. Uh, and things will continue to move on.
0: So veteran out of Syracuse's radar, and another guy out of out of Syracuse's radar now is the 2023 guard, Elijah Gertrude, who just named his top five schools. This kid is from Jersey City, New Jersey, was playing for the City Rocks EYBL team in Albany. Syracuse did not make the top five. Virginia, Kansas, Rutgers, Seton Hall, and St. John's do. That's those are five teams. If you're if you're Syracuse and you can't get a kid who's in New Jersey. I get that maybe guards aren't the priority right now. Uh, This, that and the other thing, make every excuse you want. Syracuse should be in a battle for kids who are around. And we have this conversation so many times, but it's true. Why can't they go out? Why can't they at least get in the top five for this kid? I'm not saying they got to go out and get him. That's down the road. Why couldn't they just be in the game? Why couldn't they just be in the competition? St. John's shouldn't be beating Syracuse in anything, let alone the recruiting trail.
1: It's, it's tough to see the names that made this list, right? You see Virginia, you see Kansas, understood, fine, whatever. They make the top five as they should for a lot of high-priority recruits, right? When you've got names like that, recent history like that, why aren't you including them? In your top five, when you see, you know, Rutgers, St. John's, Seton Hall, you know, you want as a Syracuse, you know, basketball fan, you want to see Syracuse in the competition with these schools, especially a team like St. John's. And so losing, you know, a top five, yes, it's not the end of the world, right? It's not like we, you know, we're going to see Syracuse go out and guaranteed get this kid. But it does stink to miss a top five and to see some of the schools that made that list, especially when you look at these schools up in the northeast that you're competing for the local guys with the northeast guys that you are kind of consistently compete against these schools for. Uh it, it's tough to see them make a list and, and you not be there and uh sort of get the quick kick off of uh off of the recruiting trail for Gertrude.
0: Yeah, I mean like I said, I mean, if we want to think about what the roster is next year, you're losing three seniors, Samir, Joe, and Jesse. Those are the three guys you lose. You've got three scholarships, uh, and, and the guards will still be talented. That's assuming Judah Mintz isn't a one-and-done. You'll have Judah. You'll have Quadir Copeland, who J.P. Estrella, by the way, said is the greatest passer he's ever seen, uh, which is insane, by the way. Yeah. Um, which I'm so, it got me so excited. But anyway, um, if you add a kid like Elijah Gertrude there, assuming that Jude is really good and might be gone in two years, it, it, it makes sense. It works out. I mean, I don't see why they can't spend a scholarship on that. So to me, it just seems like they came up short uh, and I don't like that.
1: I'll throw this out there too. Maybe, you know, on Syracuse's end at this point, it could be a lack of priority thing, right? We're looking at what they're doing with JP Estrella. Uh, he mentioned yesterday, uh, you know, the Reed charme idea of them sure. both coming in, maybe just at this point in time uh, it didn't serve as a priority. And that's sometimes a sacrifice that you're going to have to make uh, when you look at a guy like Gertrude, who's by no means a bad player, but at this point in time, when you look at Syracuse's 2023 priorities, maybe he is not warranting enough attention from the coaches as they could think. You know, Estrella's committing in under a month, right? You want to be right there consistently talking with him. I know McNamara seems to be the guy that's consistently reaching out to these recruits. Uh, you know, maybe it's going to be red more specifically in this case. Uh, but to see, you want to be prioritizing what you see as the best chance for Syracuse to get back to the top and get back to being competitive in the ACC and winning basketball games. And I think right now that includes spending most of your time with Estrella Andrew Charmay at the moment, and then maybe based on what they do and what happens in their recruiting process, then you can refocus on guys like Elijah Gertrude. Unfortunately, you don't make the top five, right? Maybe you hit the top five, you throw that right on the back burner. It's still there, but not in direct sight. Uh, It does stink to miss out on a top five, but I think I can rationalize that right now, maybe that's not the priority. And I can say that's okay, especially if in a month or so, uh, you know, one of, if not both of those names, uh, seem to be a Syracuse thing.
0: Yeah, um, that's fair. Okay, well, uh, audio listeners, you're going to get two ads back-to-back right now. Video listeners, you're still with us here on Locked On Syracuse. We've got a couple more topics to go, so let's roll on. On to women's basketball now. They get a big commit. Alyssa Latham commits to Syracuse women's basketball. She's a forward ranked 68th in her class by ESPN that's really big uh, for this program because as we all know it's one that is basically rebuilding from the rubble that they have been uh, given by past coaching regimes Von Reed gone I believe he's a Houston assistant now so good for him I'm glad he's still in the game Um, but Syracuse needed a reboot and they're getting one from Felicia Leggett Jack and this is probably one of her uh, biggest and best move so far. Alyssa Latham, easily the biggest commit she's gotten. She's a six foot one forward, uh, and I think she's really going to contribute to the floor that uh, Syracuse is going to be putting out there. Because this is a team that, unlike last year, where it's a similar situation in that they got a whole new squad. Last year it was basically everybody gone, everybody in. Now it's everybody gone, everybody in, plus a good recruit uh, and some good coaching. So maybe more of a chance this season than they did last.
1: Yeah, you know, it's always good to get a top 100 recruit. I don't care, you know, what sport, where you are, top 100 recruit is exactly what you're looking for, and it's how you win games, it's how you build programs. And when you're Felicia LeJet-Jack, it's phenomenal to be able to get that, especially given the situation that, you know, you're walking into. So to see a recruiting victory, you know, early in the process, it's it's huge for morale, for Continuing to recruit, as you see with Syracuse men's basketball, right. Once you get a name, they have friends, right. You're playing the same circuits. You start having conversations. So maybe this can domino into other players. And even if it doesn't, you're still bringing in a top 100 recruit. I think this is a really, really, really big moment for Syracuse women's basketball as they start the climb back into you know national competition, national uh, relevance in terms of competing and and getting back into the top 25 this is huge for, for being able to start that progression, because I think, you know, as you start to look into recruiting and we've talked a lot about recruiting today and this, that, and the other thing, it just seems like, you know, those are your off season conversations often enough. Uh, It's huge. And and I think that you are really going to be able to build off of this and you bring in a six, one forward that has got a lot to offer. Uh, You know, you're beating out other schools, BC, Clemson, Tennessee, a couple others on that list as well. So nice to see you, you know, getting in and winning a recruiting battle against some schools that, you know, you're really working to compete against and you're not necessarily the odds on favorite when you look at, you know, the levels that these schools are at. So being able to bring in you know, a number sixty-eight player in the country—that's huge with Elise or Aly- Alyssa Latham. So I, I'm I'm pretty pumped for for Syracuse women's basketball right here, uh, and for uh, Felicia lejet Jat to get get going and uh, continue to bring that energy that she has pretty much brought in every waking second of every day since she got to
0: campus. Her and Sue Ludwig certainly building something. And some of the other schools uh, on that list that you mentioned, Oklahoma State, Rutgers, Marquette, Northwestern, Loyola, and a few more. So Syracuse really made a splash there. Uh, Hopefully she makes an immediate impact. Uh, And we got to move on to our last topic of the day. Isaiah Jones, a third-year wide receiver for Syracuse football, redshirt sophomore. He's injured, and he's going to miss time. You might be thinking, who is that? And I don't care. But really, you should be thinking, oh, no, this guy is six foot four. He's 205. Now, in a regular season, when you have a, uh, an incredibly talented wide receiver room, this probably doesn't make as much uh, of an impact. But this is a kid who, nonetheless, could have played. Uh, and he's played 14 games a- as a member of Syracuse's football team so far. He recovered a fumble in the past. He's played on special teams packages and whatnot. But... In a year where the wide receiver room is so thin, and we saw it be so thin last year, where you have uh, a pretty weak three-headed monster of Courtney Jackson, Damian Alford, and Anthony Queeley, you could kind of take all the help you can get. You know, Babers and the rest of the offensive staff is looking in any direction for a talented wide receiver, whether that be a Rondae Gatson, and Amari Hatcher or a guy like Isaiah. So. He's not going to be out for a very long time, necessarily, although they haven't they haven't told us what it is. So he could be. I mean, um, but I don't believe he will be on a hunch. Regardless, it could be a problem.
1: Yeah. You know, when you look at Syracuse football's wide receiver situation right now, last year was was not good in the passing game for. Anyone, really. So when you look at you know things to improve, obviously, to improve your passing game, you need to improve quarterback play, you need to improve O-line play, and you need to improve receiver play. And what helps improve receiver play is some options, right? You mentioned the three-headed monster, or lack thereof, being a monster uh, last year, and, and it does stink. But fortunately for Syracuse, you, know, you do bring all three of them back. Uh, and, and you have you know a little bit of a wide receiver core. But you do want other guys to be able to be popping in as options, come in for a play or two here, third down, whatever it might be, uh, and, and have the ability to take guys in and out and show different sets and show you know, different looks or maybe someone's just on that day and they, they make a couple of good moves to get open and, and everyone has their specific days. And it's able to you – know when you have options, you're able to do that a lot better. And when you're looking for people to step up in a wide receiver room, I know everyone's sort of asking – who is wide receiver one and who is going to step up and, and be those contributors outside of wide receiver one or whatever it may be, maybe receivers by committee of sorts, just looking at this as a whole, it hurts, right? Early season to miss them, even if it's just for a couple of weeks to miss out on those reps is you're going to see that become an issue. And, and it could continue to be something that we bring up a little bit later in the season, if not every wide receiver question is answered maybe the you know what could have Isaiah Jones done if given the full preseason if given you know the entire camp and being able to to acclimate the same as all of the other options there
0: totally um so could be a big loss could end up not being anything but it's worth talking about because this kid has a big frame uh and he's played before so who knows all right, well that uh, that does it for the first ever edition of this, that, and the other thing. I liked it. Uh, you'll see it again next Tuesday. Uh, if you want to go get more on the ACC, go to Locked On ACC. Go make it your second listen every single day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you across the ACC in half an hour. Make Locked On ACC your second listen. That's Locked On ACC. I'm hoping to have uh, or we're hoping to have a football play by play broadcaster interview series coming up as the season approaches. So look out for that Um, tomorrow. We'll be back with more. So come right back to us. Make it your first listen every day. It's locked on Syracuse and we'll see you then.